Hello, good morning. I am Angie McKay, and I am currently the middle school pastor here. So, yes, hopefully you guys were greeted by several of their smiling faces this morning. Those were our middle school students standing at the doors. Um, and so this summer, or actually back in February, the very first person that I asked to come to camp with us um, was our camp speaker, because I knew that your students would be so blessed by what he had to share. Um, and so Tyler Eaton is going to come up and he is going to give you a little snapshot of the teachings that he took your students through over the course of the week at the peak. So here we <laughs> All right, well, first off, the prop game, very strong in the loop, you guys. You, uh, the, the gauntlet's been thrown and uh, challenge accepted. And so, um, yeah, like Angie said, uh, well, first off, it's so great to see you guys show up this morning. I was telling some of our greeters earlier when we had our one gathering at the, uh, what was that, back in July, the, the summer celebration. Uh, all you nine o'clockers still came at nine, but you guys got the memo this time. So it's great to see so many of you guys here for uh, really this homecoming and homecoming being really for uh, our faith family. And so as you heard from the worship team, this really is uh, our student takeover. And I know that middle school and high school students are in here, but I also know that our elementary kids are in here as well, right? Elementary. So thanks for being with us uh, today. Yeah, camp uh, camp is amazing. Uh, for those of you who maybe are newer to our faith family, uh, I served with our middle school ministry for nearly 20 years. And so camp is just in the, the, the lifeblood of our, our, our ministry. And what happens in a week worth of camp is the equivalent to a, over a year worth of small groups. And so when you get students away from the distractions and you get them for a week surrounded uh, in a daily rhythm of worship, teaching, small groups, uh, conversations of like-minded people on the same spiritual journey, uh, something, something amazing happens that just can't be replicated outside of camp. Uh, but the Holy Spirit moved in some mighty ways at our middle school camp this year. Uh, we, we go up to Cascades uh, Conference Center, which is up in Yelm, Washington. Basically, you go to Great Wolf Lodge and then head east for about 45 minutes and then you're in Yelm. And so, uh, and we've been there for about 20 years uh, up at Cascades, and there's something special. Uh, when I tell people about summer camp, I, I have to compare it to uh, Moses and the burning bush, you know, where uh, God reveals himself, and he says, to take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. You are in the presence uh, of your heavenly Father, your creator. And something like that happens at camp uh, without fail every week or every year uh, that we have done the peak. And so... Uh, going as a, the camp speaker uh, was an amazing thing to do because in the past, when I would walk off the stage, I would also then be the middle school pastor again. But this time I was just able to be the speaker, which meant that I could hang out with our students, your amazing sons and daughters. My own daughter was at camp this year, so that was a new experience being uh, at camp with your own child. And so uh, we talked a lot about questions that really are the same questions that you and I wrestle with, and that is, who am I and what is my purpose in this life? And we looked at the life of Jesus and our theme was unexpected or surprising. And what happens is, I think so many times in our life, we think we know how God should move in our life. We know how God should answer our prayers and what things should take place. 
And so some 2,000 years ago, when people were waiting for this promised Messiah to show up, they had an idea what that was gonna look like. And Jesus showed up in surprising ways, using surprising people with an unexpected purpose and strategy. And so those were the things we talked through. So every night we would open up and we would have one of these big ideas that we would kind of wrestle with. And then the next morning we would go a little bit deeper in our small groups and really talk about not just like the head and the heart and objectively what does it mean to know and love and follow Jesus, but what does that look like practically for you as a sixth, seventh, and eighth grader? And even for our small group leaders, our high school co-leaders and our adult leaders went, like we, we were just asking this of ourselves too. God, what are you teaching us as we do this? And so this morning I just briefly want to just uh, talk about some of the stories of what we got to see at camp and really share uh, what Jesus did. And um, so we started off the whole week talking about how God uses surprising people. When you think about Jesus showing up, this promised Messiah that people have been waiting for, you would think to start a kingdom movement, you would bring in the best of the best. And for those of you that are familiar with the story of Jesus, when he started his earthly ministry, he didn't go to the religious officials who were like the religious experts who had influence in the synagogues. Like it would be easy for them to use their platform to impact culture. It would have been easy for Jesus to go to the Roman government where they had political power. They had the Roman army. He could have used physical force to coerce people to following after him, but that wasn't who Jesus was. And in the same way, he could have gone to some of the most affluent people in the community, so that way his lodging, his food, anything that he needed, he didn't have to worry about that. And yet again, he didn't do that, but he went after the outcasts. He went after the people that maybe we wouldn't consider to have great gifts or skill sets. And so when he started with brothers who were fishermen, he said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And when I was telling with the students, it's, it's a passage that I've read, it's a passage that I've studied countless times before, but this was the very first time that these guys have probably ever met Jesus. He hadn't been doing miracles before that, so it wasn't like word was out about this Jesus guy. But this was a complete stranger who walked up to them as they were doing what they only knew how to do, and that was the fish, and he said, hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't give him his five-week plan, his five-month plan. He just said, if you're interested, come and do this. And there was something so compelling about that invitation that Peter and his brother dropped everything and they followed Jesus. And so for those of you that have been following and walking with Jesus for many, many years, I want you to think about that moment of decision. What was so compelling for you to follow Jesus? Because with a lot of our middle school students and high school students, there are so many things and so much noise in this world that are telling them what does it mean to have identity and purpose and what promises fulfillment that a simple invitation of a come and follow me and I will make you who you were created to be seems so compelling to these young followers of Jesus that they left everything. And they follow Jesus. And then after the fishermen, he goes to the tax collectors and he goes to all these other peoples that didn't have authority, weren't necessarily popular. And he wasn't saying, hey, I'm taking you so I can mold you and so that way you can be like the religious officials or this powerful person in authority or things like that. He says, I wanna use you for who you are. And I think that's important for us to start there 
not just with us as students, but also for all of us adults too, because I think so often that we can fall into the trap that we need to be better followers of Jesus, and that means physical and external things, Bible studies, church, camps, retreat, you know, things like that, things that are visible. But what we were talking time and time again with the students is that Jesus looks at the heart, and he created each and every one of us uniquely for unique purposes and for such a time as this. Jesus also introduced surprising priorities. He came in and he reintroduced really what we believe as a church today, which is good because we're followers of Jesus and that's what we strive to be. But he says, I want to use you to impact the world. And when we think about that, we're like, that sounds great, right? I want to be a world changer. I want to do that. But like, that is a daunting task. So that's what I love about our church mission statement is that we want to reach the world, right? But how do we do that? One person at a time. And so I asked the students and I invited them in to think like, well, what, what has God given you? What platforms, what passions and skill sets have you given? Because Jesus said through, through a prophet Micah in the Old Testament, it's not about the, the extravagant worship. It's not about the extravagant sacrifices. It's not about the praises of man. Like anyone can do that. But here's what ex is expected of followers of Jesus is that they would act justly, they would love mercifully, and they would walk in humility. And when we do that, we're doing it because we don't want people to see how good we are, because that's when our pride and our arrogance seeps in, but they want to see the goodness of Jesus in and through us. And that is what is compelling about Jesus, is that he gives us a purpose, he gives us an identity, and anyone in this room, introvert, extrovert, old or young, you can love graciously. You can serve with humility. And we can do that together as a united family. And then as we got towards the end of the week, we talked about how Jesus started to really implement this really uh, surprising strategy. So Jesus dies for our sins, is crucified on the cross as an innocent man, three days later resurrects from the dead. We celebrate that every Easter with Resurrection Sunday. The disciples see him and the disciples are now just like on fire. They're like, Jesus, you conquered death. Like now is the time to like show everybody what you did. And so we can be like, we were right all along. Here we go. Let's build this kingdom. We are all in. And Jesus gathers his disciples and his followers. And even in the midst of this, it says in Matthew that some still doubted. But in the midst of all the joys and the triumphs and the doubts, Jesus said, I have a plan. And they're like, awesome, Jesus, we're all in. You just tell us what to do, and we're going to do it. And Jesus leaves. He ascends back to heaven, and the disciples are like, wait, hold on, time out, Jesus. Like, you just conquered death, and now you left us. And Jesus said in his ministry that I have to leave. It is better for me to leave because that is when I will send my spirit, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will do works that no man has ever seen or dreamed of. And I promise to be with you until the very end of the age. And so we see that in the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching the things that I have taught you. And do not be afraid, for I will be with you in the form of my spirit, my presence in you.
And so when we talked about that, like, what does that mean to go to the ends of the earth? Does that mean going from the sixth grade hallway to the eighth grade hallway? I mean, that's, for some of us, that's the ends of the earth right there. Nothing against eighth graders, but you're big compared to these sixth graders. But for the rest of us, what does that mean to go to the ends of the earth? To reach one person at a time as we seek out the injustice, as we love with mercy and we walk in humility. That is something that the oldest person in this room to the youngest person in the room are called to do. And so today with our student takeover, this isn't like church light because we're giving like the adult ministry a weekend off and that's why we didn't even get two services. We're only getting one service. This is, this is an important thing. Like it says when Paul was talking to Timothy, to the youth, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But to inspire the church in your faith, your life, your love, your speech, and your purity. So students, elementary kids, you inspire the church. You are not the future leaders of the church. You are the modern day apostles and disciple makers and leaders of our church. And I know, and I'm not saying that about Rolling Hills or churches in general, but there can be times where sometimes we can get so caught up in styles and traditions and expectations and things like that, that there are divisions. But if we really are a faith family, this is who we are as the body of Christ. This is the beauty, tangible expression of what the gospel looks like. And so if we believe that we're gonna reach the world one person at a time as we learn to think, love, and live like Jesus, and we wanna reproduce that in the lives of others, that is something that we need each other, a multi-generational approach in how we live out the kingdom in our day-to-day life. But here, here is the issue, and I'm gonna wrap up with this, is that after Jesus died, that really messed up the disciples. Peter in particular was Jesus' ride or die. And he said to Jesus, I will do anything and everything for you. And Jesus was like, I get that, Peter, but guess what? You are gonna, you're gonna deny me tonight before the rooster crows three times. And Peter's like, Jesus, no, it's not gonna happen. And we know the story that Jesus is arrested and the night he was crucified, Peter was seen multiple times in the square, in the tabernacle and throughout the city. And when he was accused of knowing Jesus and being part of his followers, he denied him. And at that point, Peter just felt crushed because he's like, I failed my Jesus. And so I can't, I'm, I'm worthless. I can't, I can't do anything anymore. So I'm gonna do the only thing I know what to do. And I'm gonna go back and I'm just gonna go to my old life and that's fish. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he hadn't found Peter yet. He was walking along the beach one morning and Peter is out fishing and they just came back in from a long night, caught nothing. And Jesus shouts out to them, like, like did you catch anything? I'm like, no, it was a bust. And he's like, well, well, try throwing your nets over onto the other side. And, and they did that and as they were starting to do this and they, they, their, their nets were breaking from the, how much fish were there, all of a sudden Peter recognized the voice of his shepherd. And he couldn't even wait for the boat to get into the water. He leaps out of the boat and runs to shore and embraces his savior. And in that moment, he's like, Jesus, I am so sorry. And Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't say, you nimwit, what were you thinking? Like, I told you you were gonna do this. In fact, after breakfast, they were walking along, they were having a one-on-one conversation. He was like, Peter, do you love me? He's like, Jesus, you know I do. He's like, then feed my sheep. 
And he had to remind Peter three times of this. And I don't think he was doing it to shame him, to guilt him. It wasn't because Peter was like, a, 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 like thick-headed and wasn't getting it. I think Jesus was reminding him what his identity was and what Peter was created to be, what all of us were created to be as disciple makers of the kingdom of God, is that we are to live it out. We are to live out the gospel in our day-to-day lives and not believe the lies. And these are the lies I warned the students of as they came back from camp. And these are the lies that us as adults, uh, that I, I battle every day. So if I do that, I know I'm not the only ones. The first lie is this, the difficulties come from weakness. Our weakness don't come from difficulties. We're human. We live in a broken world. Following Jesus never was promised to us that it would be easy. In fact, it said that it was going to be hard. It was going to be challenging. And so when we fail, don't be discouraged. That does not define God's love for you. That does not define how God sees you and wants to use you. He continues to love you. Hardship is human. The second lie is I don't need help. We live in a world where we feel like that um, our independence is a reflection of our maturity and a leadership uh, that is, that is a, a team of one because I want to be the best of the best and I want to be the Pied Piper that people follow after. Jesus invited people in. Jesus did not hog the role of the leader. He gave responsibilities to his disciples. He allowed his disciples to go out and do the teaching and the healing and the miracles with the use of the Holy Spirit. In the same way, Jesus wants us to do that. We need help. Everyone needs help. It is not a sign of weakness. And then the last lie, the one that Peter wrestled with, was that if I fail, I'm finished. But when we fail is when we have a chance to grow. And the growth we saw at camp was amazing. From students, the volunteers, adults, the 150 or so that we took, but I know that once we leave that camp experience, we come back, we had a couple weeks of summer break, now school's starting, there's new schedules, there's new rhythms, and that community that we created that was so special at camp, we can continue to experience that today. So for middle schoolers and high schoolers, I wanna challenge you, stay in community. High schoolers, Sunday nights are starting up, Wednesday nights, middle school, small groups, It is worth it. I know your schedules are busy. I know sports, academics, arts, things are doing that. Parents, it takes a village to raise our kids. I can't think of anything more to an answer of prayer to have other adults who love Jesus pouring into my kids. And so it might not be convenient with my schedules and dinners and things like that, but I'm gonna prioritize opportunities for my kids to be in community. And so it's a a team thing. It's that multi-generational faith family. So my challenge for you as students, my challenge for you as parents, and maybe for some of you that are wanting to invest in the younger generation, is to stay connected and get plugged in to small groups this fall. And you can learn more information about that today. We're gonna have a booth out down uh, at the student counter uh, by the food carts. You can always go to rhstudents.org and do that. But what was the most exciting about that were people coming to know Jesus. And on the last day of camp, we got to celebrate baptisms. And so we were able to record those testimonies. We want to share some of those uh, for you this morning. But for those of you that were praying for us, praying for our camps, thank you. We felt your prayers. We saw the spirit move. We saw people from death come to life. And I want to share some of those stories with you right now. So turn your eyes to the screens. Why do you want to get baptized? I want to get baptized to show my faith to God and just to 
remind myself who who's my real God. When I was little, I did accept, kind of, but, like, I was really little, so, like, I was little, so I didn't really know what it meant. But now, when I went to this camp, I listened to what Tyler had to say, and I really liked it. I feel I was baptized when I was seven years old, and I wasn't really serious about it. I did it for my mom. Now I feel that I am more mature, and... I am ready to be baptized. I think God might be calling me to be baptized, so that's what I gotta do. Um, I, I want to get baptized so I can move closer to God, and I want to show my faith to all of you so I can be accepted into heaven. Do you believe Jesus was resurrected and died for you? Of course. Do you commit to live the rest of your life for Jesus? Awesome, of course. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God sent to save us from our sins and that he was crucified and resurrected and now reigns on high? I absolutely believe that. And do you believe that he did that to forgive you for your sins? Yes. And are you committing to living a life by, in, through, and for him? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Yes. And are you ready today to accept him again as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Yes. And you're ready to live the rest of your life for him? Yes. Do you commit your life to live in the, the Lord? Yes. And you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Yes, I do. And you commit to live the rest of your life for him? Yes. And do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for what you're doing at this camp. I pray that um, these students would just be on fire for you, that they would go home and change their families, their schools, their world. Lord, you can do that through them. And I just lift all this up in your name. Amen. 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 I have the, my name is Joy Haley, and I am the associate worship pastor here at Rolling Hills. For those who do not know me, I had the opportunity to go to the peak and see those baptisms in person, and I was a complete wreck. Um, these students are absolutely amazing. And this morning, as we were reviewing the, the video um, to play for you today, I was crying also, along with... <laughs> Some of the, the worship team, too. And so thank you for being here today. This is a reunion of sorts for the, both leaders that I'm seeing out here and also students. I was the camp speaker at Summit, the high school camp. So, yeah. So I got to go to both camps, which is great. I was a leader coach at, at the peak and then camp speaker at, at Summit. And so it was a very fun summer. And just like um, Tyler said, my, my kids were also at camp. So that was fun to be able to kind of be all together as one big family. Um, 
this morning in our short time together, I'm going to just talk about what God did at camp. I'm going to talk about our, the, the teaching topic that I guided the students through, which was doubts and questions. And then I'm going to share a few stories with you about what God did in the lives of students and in leaders. And then we will look at um, a few videos near the end. The topic uh, for Summit was about doubts and questions, and I focused primarily on the book of Exodus and looking at the life of Moses. Moses had a lot of doubts about what God had called him into. He, he questioned God. He questioned God's call on his life to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt he even, in, in Exodus 3.11, it says, so now go. God is talking to Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so Moses starts asking some questions. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God responds with a promise and his presence. And he says, I will be with you. This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. So God reassures Moses. Moses didn't think very highly of himself. He doubted his own abilities. As I was studying um, about Moses and about Exodus, I looked at a lot of different commentaries. I, I asked a lot of different questions myself to a lot of different people. And what I read in a commentary was this. It won't be on the screen, so just listen along. Moses was shocked by God's words. It is evident by his consternation, his feelings of anxiety or dismay. He found the command of God hard to believe. Immediately, Moses objected to God's command because of his lack of ability and his lack of authority. Moses doubted his ability to confront the new Pharaoh successfully and to lead the nation out. But God responded to this objection with two promises, the assurance of his personal presence and the promise of Moses' return to Mount Horeb. So God was providing Moses with not just answers, but with his promise. It's important that as we ask questions, that we are not always expecting answers, but that we lean into questions so that it may draw us in closer to relationship with God. And that's what I shared with the students. We, we are seeking his presence, knowing that this side of heaven, we may not get all the answers to life's most pressing questions, but we still ask questions in order to be closer to God. May our questions not push us away from God, but may it do the exact opposite, but bring us closer to him. In addition of um, looking at the life of Moses, I also looked at the book of John, and I love the book of John in particular, and of all the, this, uh, the books of the Bible, but the book of John points to Moses, refers to Moses, as does much of the New Testament. In Acts, Stephen even says, the martyr for the Lord. He even talks about Moses saying that this man was eloquent in his speech. And yet Moses, doubting himself, says, no, I'm not eloquent in speech. It's interesting what Moses thought of himself was different than what other people saw. 
sorry, what, what, what Moses saw of himself was different than what other people saw about Moses. And so we looked at the book of John, and we also looked at the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the disciples, those who were closest with Jesus, they asked a lot of questions. Jesus himself, he was a, he was a questioner. He asked questions. As Jesus was on the boat with his disciples, when a, when a storm came, the disciples were, they panicked. Jesus took a nap. They thought they were going to die. And in Mark 4, it says this, but he, Jesus, was on the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up. The disciples woke him up, and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They asked him a question, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And then Jesus asked them a question, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, they then asked the question, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? As I talked with leaders and students over the course of the week about how God was moving in their lives, a lot of them felt encouraged to ask questions Instead of feeling shame for asking questions, they felt the freedom to ask more questions. I know growing up in church, I grew up going to church. My, 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 my parents encouraged me every Sunday to go to church with them. And I was involved in lots of Bible studies, lots of serving, just as the students are serving this morning. And there were some circles that I was in where I felt shame asking questions. And I share that with the students, that, that we should feel no shame asking questions, but yet we should press into these questions. Um, a few stories about camp that I want to share, a few beautiful moments about camp that I want to share. Um, the first one is that I share with the students that we wouldn't be able to read through the whole book of Exodus, but I encourage them to read the entire book of Exodus from beginning into the end. And so as I walked into Timber Ridge, which is the girl's cabin, I walked into the kitchenette and there's a student who was sitting there and she called me over and she said, Joy, you told me to read the book of Exodus. And so I, am reading the whole book of Exodus. And yes, we can cheer about that. Uh, I was stunned and I, was, I wanted to weep and I thought, wow, these, these students are so um, amazing. These students are incredible. Many students who attended camp have parents who are pretty key leaders in this church or who have been coming to church for most of their lives. A lot of um, students have already been baptized prior to camp. A lot of students have already accepted Jesus into their heart. Not all, but, but a good amount of them. And I heard from students that they didn't want their parents' faith. They didn't want to believe in God because their parents believed. They wanted to believe in God for themselves. And that may, may scare us a little bit. Yes, okay, we can cheer, yes. 
and say, oh, they want a personal one-on-one relationship with God. They don't want it through their parents or through their family. They want a personal relationship with God. Yes, amen, amen. Another um, point of confession that I heard from students is that they knew that they were not living a life that God wanted them to live. They were not living for God. They were living for themselves. Many students expressed that and, and rededicated their lives to God. As we have opportunity as a church, we need to be speaking into the lives of these students. As we see this morning, they are leading the church. As Tyler said, they are leading the church now and they will lead the church in the future. And so if you're wondering, shameless plug, if you're wondering, should I serve in student ministries? The answer is yes. (laughs) And this is coming from this resounding yes over here. Our leaders that have attended camp, they have faced challenges as they lead. And yet they, they, they gave a resounding yes because they believe in pouring into the lives of the students here in this building. We had a wide range of ages at camp. One of them being a 24-month-old Um, named Emily, who happens to have my um, first name as her middle name. Um, I'm unbiased. She's the most adorable thing ever. And then then her brother, Caleb, was also there. And every single morning, we recited, he recited a a Bible verse. And I'm going to read the, the Bible verse, which was our memory verse for camp. It says, this is Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You can go ahead and watch Caleb recite it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and be not understanding in all your ways. Awesome. You'll make your past great. Yes, Caleb. I would be amiss if I did not highlight some wonderful leaders. In the evening, we focused mostly on diving into scripture, but in the morning, I was, um, I led. A, students and also leaders through just a series of questions, just a, a Q&A about their own doubts, about their own questions, and about their personal testimony. And so those leaders that I interviewed is Sandy Volland, chair, uh, Keith Valerius, and also Hannah Shafroth, who's part of the worship team. Um, in, in addition to our time in the morning, um, after we did the leader Q&A, I shared that teaching time with Becky Farwell, who is no longer with us. And these flowers on stage are in honor of her. Um, we, um, in this room, 
We remembered her life last week. Um, and she, every morning, guided students and leaders through spiritual practices that I pray would stay with them until the end of their time here on earth and that they would in turn continue to, to, to pass on those things that Becky Farwell taught us. Yeah. And what Becky did really well among <laughs> a wide range of things is that she held stories really well and she listened really, really well. And we're going to show a video that highlights some testimonies. And you will hear Becky's voice off, off camera. And if you never got the, the joy of meeting Becky, I'm so thankful that you get to hear her voice. And if you have known her and have loved her, then I'm so, excuse me, I'm so thankful that you get to hear her voice again. And so please turn your attention to the screens. Why don't you tell us your name? Hi, so I'm Angelica Kadirva and I'm a graduated senior. Hi, I'm Carolyn Yela. I'm a camp leader. Uh, Aiden is a valuable part of our community. He serves our ministry, um, both student ministries and worship arts ministries as a very competent and gifted electric guitar player. So what did you come into camp with? I've actually had doubts about um, God being my total provider. Um, the last few years in my life circumstances have presented me with some pretty big mountains in front of me that I've had to climb. And when I learned that the theme of camp was going to be reasonable doubt, I'm like, okay, that is my target. <laughs> I have been more recently involved in church and, and attending Rolling Hills through the encouragement uh, from my dad. And then I decided to get in touch with Jess in hopes to become a counselor for the peak. But in order to do and to become a counselor for the peak, I have to first go to high school summit. After being here and realizing what I wanted and pursue like deepening my faith with God and placing my trust in him, and as well as finally establishing a community that I haven't built for so long, the whole time I was on and off attending Rolling Hills. I kind of grew up on church. Um, my parents are Christian, my family's Christian. Um, kind of just hopped around. So it was kind of my parents' faith for a while. Um, and then when COVID hit in 2020, I got really bored. So I was like, let's just read the Bible and read what it's done. And I feel like through the reading, I really encountered Jesus. So how did you encounter God at camp? Um, so the big reason was through the teachings that we did. Um, and that we learned, they resonated with me a lot. I went out alone to the lake and I decided to practice a breath prayer. Uh, my breath prayer was, Lord help me with patience and self-control. And I sat there for a little bit and then I started confessing and having a conversation with God about how I have fallen and what I will do to get myself back up. And then after that, we had a group confession that joy led us through. And then I knew right then and there, I was like, okay, I wanna be reborn again. I wanna get baptized. 
and I want to reset my life. Um, I would say that I've just been able to get a broader understanding of who he is, like the this one we use the Hebrew names. Yeah, that's really hard. Cool. Yeah, yeah. The name Yahweh always really resonated with me because it's like God just like is, and that's just who he is, and he always will be like that. So that was always something that sat well with me. He hasn't really changed, but it's just I've gotten to know him better. It's been an amazing time. God's presence was so intense and moving at times. And being a part of that energy is like a gift. I also got to experience some new prayer practices, the teaching of the many names of God. And one that really stuck with me was Yahweh Yira. And um, that is Lord is my provider. Life-changing for me. Like that's a huge takeaway for me. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. I'm so glad. So what are you taking away from camp? Uh, number one is communicating with God, breath prayers, conversations. Um, and then another one is a 100% desire to live, think, and be more like Jesus. I will be utilizing the teachings that we have learned that resonated with me and the new community that I've built here through camp to continue to grow in my relationship. So I'm walking away from camp um, with actually a realization that God has a path for me to follow. He guided me to Rolling Hills, I believe, and He also guided me to being here as a camp leader. He's given me gifts to share, and I have this burning desire to just influence young lives um, with the energy and the light that, that He gives me. Leaders and students they both, I think, leave here with this higher commitment to Him. I was able to find, like, discover who Jesus was for myself and discover Him more than just being like, you know, your average, like, yeah, He's God's Son, He died for me, but like, to truly figure out who He was yeah. and how that impacts me in my life. But I feel like as you ask more questions and uh, over wrestle with these things and overcome them, in my experience, it's actually strengthened my relationship with God because it just solidifies my belief the more I overcome things. And you'll never have all the answers to anything, so you also have to find peace in that and you won't know. More often than not, you'll find that what wrestling with these actually strengthens your relationship with Christ. You're finding him through the process of answering questions. Can I get an amen, church? Yeah.